0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of the comic show on monkeys fighting robots. On today's show, Thanos wins. We are talking about Thanos issue 13 by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. We're also talking about Batman, Creature of the Night, Issue 1 over at DC. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com, Matt Zardo.
0: Anthony, I got a confession to me. Tell me. I think I got a turkey leg stuck in my belly. It hurts so much. I ate so much turkey this past weekend.
1: I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> did you eat turkey this
0: weekend? Oh, it was so... Thanksgiving. Oh, how was it? I don't know. It's good.
1: I, I, I had turkey. I, I got accidentally drunk on Thanksgiving, like accidentally hammered. So I think I ate turkey. Pretty sure I did.
0: What did you get accidentally hammered on?
1: Oh, dude. So my grandmother every holiday makes uh, whiskey sours. Like that's her thing. And she usually serves it out of a blender. But this year she put it in a ginger ale bottle. Nobody told me that. So I thought I was gonna make myself a Jack Daniels and ginger ale. Instead, made myself like a super fucking heavy whiskey sour, like basically like a triple, quadruple whiskey sour, and uh, hit me. Didn't hit me you notice
0: good. it on the first sip?
1: I, you know, I was such <laughs> an idiot because I drank it and I'm like, huh, this ginger ale is like gone bad or something. Like total idiot move on my part.
0: This ginger ale's gone bad. I'm going to continue to drink it. That's what I'm going I, to do.
1: I did. And even when I found, even when I discovered what it was, I just, I and I had a whole freaking like a whole big cup of it. And oh, it was, my parents thought it was hilarious. Let me tell you that.
0: Man, I was up in Richmond for the Thanksgiving holiday, visiting one of my friends and he works at Whole Foods. He's been working at Whole Foods for like 10 plus years. So when he brings food to the table, that stuff is legit. Like, the best shit you can get.
1: Yeah. You're not I'm impressed with food, man. What's up with you? I am I mean, listen, I am impressed by food. I'm not a Whole Foods, like, worshiper. You I, don't
0: I, have to worship Whole Foods, but you do need to say that, like, they're full-grown, organic, whatever. We're not getting paid for this commercial, by the way. Uh, Whatever. It's got to be better than the Purdue... Frozen turkey from you know that they're putting together. I mean, there there's a little bit fresh, more freshness going on there.
1: I'm all for the fresh, organic, good stuff. I'm all for that. So yeah, credit to that. Very impressed with your friend on that part.
0: Man, okay. So Friday, I went to this nice restaurant in Richmond, and I had some catfish and grits. Are you impressed with that yet?
1: I'm not a grits person. Now, I don't think I've ever had catfish either, but I'm a big. Matt just like leaned his head into his microphone just so everyone knows it's happening. He's.
0: Yes, my eyeball is now in the speaker of the microphone. That's where I am right now.
1: He's trying to lob me softballs, and I'm just like <laughs> swinging and missing on all accounts for some reason.
0: Hi. So, all of you internet purveyors. Um, oh, yeah, there's that net neutrality thing going on, guys. If you can bug the FCC and tell them that that would be a bad thing, that'd be helpful. I feel like that's a little notice that we need to put out there.
1: Yeah, please, everybody.
0: And then if you like the show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio. We have iTunes. You go to iTunes. Or it's was it podcast? Podcast on
1: Apple? Is that the new? It's still iTunes. It's still the iTunes store.
0: And we're also on Stitcher. Feedback is very welcome. Please comment or tweet us. Let us know how you're doing, or I mean how we're doing, and uh, what books we should be reading. Um, But if you want us to talk about food, I will gladly talk about food because i love it so much i I'm, that's
1: going to be that's the that's the new podcast that we're adding to our network is the food show? Shining robots food show yeah food the food
0: show, show. <laughs> uh, but the comic show is sponsored by uncanny heroes in tampa they have all their trades every day every day that the uncanny heroes is open in tampa all their trades are 25% off uncanny heroes is located at 12904 north 56th street in temple terrace they told me that if you are in the area and you want to tell a relative to go get you trades, you know, you can do that. Like, they have, like, you can send them a Facebook message and be like, hey, if my relative comes in, I want these trades. And then when the relative comes in to get your stuff, you go like make a wish, wish list. It's a wish list. You can't nod on a podcast, Anthony.
1: You're in the middle of an ad.
0: <laughs> it's a live read. The more interactive you are with this live read... The less the public knows it's a commercial and they engage with it. It's that's
1: brilliant. I love the idea of a wish list. I ask for trades and graphic novels for like every holiday that to the point where like people are sick of it. They're like, we don't want to buy you any more comic books, but I don't care. So this is an amazing idea by Uncanny Heroes.
0: Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. And as always, support your local comic book store.
1: That was totally genuine, too. I totally believe that. I think that is an awesome idea. I do ask for trades and graphic novels for every holiday. I just spent way too much money over the Black Friday weekend on trades from, like, uh, way too much money just buying, like, all of blood. Stop what you're saying.
0: Stop what you're going to say right now, my friend. I'm cutting you off because I know you didn't buy them at a local comic book store.
1: I bought them from small independent marketplaces online. I... I, I was didn't buy it from Amazon. I didn't I'm buy to from Amazon. I'm gonna stab
0: you through this microphone, through this Skype. I'm gonna stab you. It's a little stabby.
1: I didn't. I didn't spend. I didn't give any. No big box corporation. I didn't send any money to Amazon or any big, you know, Barnes and Noble. I bought from like small independent retailers online.
0: Okay. Good for you.
1: <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give that one to you. That was that was a good one. You had a weak one last week. That was a good one though.
0: I was excited when I was at Uncanny Heroes and we were talking about uh, Doctor Strange last week because it came out the week before. I was excited that Thanos was on the shelf. so the, And we talked about it on our live feed, our Facebook Live from Uncanny Heroes about Thanos and my excitement for it. And then I was excited when you came through. I was like, oh, we're going to review Thanos. And I was like, I have it in my hand. I got it at the store. <laughs> like It was like, I don't have to go do a digital download or anything. Like, I can actually sit there. And read the book and enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. There's
1: something special. There's something special about holding a book in your hand and reading it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. Like I've been so looking forward to this. I'm so we're in like this new Donnie Cates era and I'm so I'm here for it. Like I said, we we touched on Doctor Strange a little bit last week at the end of the show. I I loved it. I, I think I liked Thanos more. This book was like fucking metal. Like at a time in comic book history when we have a literal series out there called Metal. Fucking Thanos was, like, the most metal thing I read in, like, the in, in, in a little while. Like, it was just so over the top. I, 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 I love it. Like, Donna Cates and Jeff Shaw did uh, God Country at Image. That was kind of the book that put Cates on the map. And God Country was just such an—that's what put him on the map for me. That's what made me take notice. It, it's a great story. I think they're a great team. And they're bringing all that energy and all that just crazy, over-the-top ridiculousness to Thanos. And— I love that they're on this book at a time when we're going to get an Infinity War trailer in, like, two days. Tomorrow. Actually, yeah, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out already, yeah. So people are going to be going to the stores and, like, looking for Thanos reading. I'm so glad that this is going to be there for them. Like it was- I was
0: wondering how Donnie was going to make Thanos Donnie. I was reading it. I was like, okay, this is a Thanos book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. War, battle, death, stuff. Yada, 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 Thanos, smacks people, smash some heads. And I was like, how is he going to make this a Thanos book? And then the ghostwriter showed up. And I was like, oh, there it is. There is all the Donnie lingo that we were waiting for to show up. And it was like, it, I was like, ah, I see where we're going right now. You're not going to actually change Thanos to keep Thanos the way it is. You're just going to change everything around him.
1: I love the ghostwriter, and I, that's something I love with Donnie's writing is that it's so – it's, like, colloquial. It's casual. Like it, like, it feels like he's having a conversation with you through the page, and that's the case in the caption boxes. Like, his narration is so casual and just warm and inviting, and and the ghostwriter is just so great. I love when uh, Thanos says to him, what is he? He's like, are you listening? He's like, I am. Like, it's weird, right? No ears. Like, it's – It's hilarious. I was laughing in a Thanos book, and I just thought it was like over the top, insane, violent and intense. But it it made me laugh a lot.
0: I mean, I was watching The Walking Dead and there's a huge narration at the beginning of it. And then I'm reading Thanos and there's like a huge narration at the beginning of it. And I really like that part of cinema and comic books. Is that just kind of like because the narration doesn't take away from the visuals, like you're reading the narration but you also somehow somehow you're able to separate the narration from the visuals and so you have the narration going back over here and then you just sit there and get to watch everything and it's a, it's weird a, it's i'm sure there's a scientific reasoning of how your brain does that but it's it's good it's good
1: no it's it i mean it sounds kind of common sense but you know just the blending of words and pictures is you know what makes comics great and like i said it sounds really common sense and like I'm stating the obvious there but it 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 is magical when done really correctly in in, in a case like this where they they just they blend so perfectly and they set everything up and there's certain books where it makes you really remember why you love the medium so much and it's funny that I just said that while we're talking about a Donnie Cates book because I literally tweeted the same thing I think a week prior when I read redneck issue seven by donnie like i tweeted i'm like this is a book that makes me like sit up and say this is why i love comic books so kudos kudos to donnie for making me say that twice in two weeks you
0: you love that guy so much it is his
1: books are really good
0: it's ridiculous it's ridiculous
1: and we're getting all this older stuff now too, like Image is all the stuff that he did before God Country at like other publishers, Heavy Metal magazine and Dark Horse and all the, wherever he wrote before. Like Image got those properties and they're republishing them. So like Buzzkill came out from Image, they're this week they're putting out Ghost Fleet. Like they're republishing all of Donnie's old work now that people are, you know, taking notice of him and and he's kind of broken onto the scene a little bit more. But I've been I've been praising Donnie a lot. But I, I before we get into the uh, nitty-gritty of this. Jeff Shaw's art on this book I thought was excellent. You're a guy who talks about how you like detail in your art and you like things to look kind of more real and you-
0: it's not necessarily like the real stuff that I like because I think that Marvel and DC have gone too real with their artwork where like you got super detailed artwork in like Batman's boot. Like that's wasted. Uh for me, I there's a there's a balance. I I really like the 80s and the early 90s artwork that was there like i, I feel like there was a, a lot of detail in like that bat, i think batman from two i mean not batman i think amazing spider-man from 200 to 300 is some of the most gorgeous artwork and it evolves over time cuz see like the, the way the punisher looks at the end to where the way he looks in the early 200s uh, and then you end the series with mcfarland's artwork but right before that you have craven's last hunt so there's like an evolution of artwork there. And that's what I really enjoy. And, and I guess that's my style that I like the most.
1: Yeah, I wasn't, and I, I wasn't trying to imply that you like, you know, photorealism in your art. Because I know we've also had a discussion about that where you think it goes too far. But I was just trying to say that I feel like Jeff Shaw's work on this book kind of hits that sweet spot that you talk about so much that you like. Because it does have like, you know, kind of that grit and detail to it that feels real good. You know, it doesn't you know, because a Thanos book I don't think you can do it in kind of a cartoony, lampoonish style. It's gotta have kind of this, you know, grit to it that Shaw brings along. I also love his his visual storytelling. Like like I said earlier, this book made me laugh a lot through the dialogue and the writing and the ghostwriter's hysterical. But Shaw made me laugh too, just through his artwork. Like where the the writer screeches to a halt and you just see Thanos like go flying past him like ah like like the the art made me laugh in this book too. I thought uh, his big splash pages, his landscapes of the cosmos, were really good. So we, we were talking a lot about Donnie and giving him a lot of praise. But I just I, I'm the final I a big page. Fan.
0: The final page of the book of the story is amazing. Like that just can we? Can oh, we?
1: it is. We will get to that. Kind before we get to that, I just had a thought that I just wanted to clear out. There is a a page in this book that is a straight homage to an old Silver Surfer page where you see the rider riding through the cosmos. The caption is like, the ghost rider is and has been many things. And, you know, he's he's flying and he's dragging Thanos behind him. And then there's like a close-up of the rider and then you see him just streaking through the sky and then there's a mega close-up just on his face. Those four panels are direct mirrors to an old comic that featured the Silver Surfer. Like, it, it might have been... His first appearance. Maybe it was a Kirby comic. I, I can't say exactly where it was from. I just – I saw on Twitter that it's like a, a perfect mirror. So there's some nice little Easter eggs and, uh, and homages to old comics in Shaw's work as well. So keep an eye out for those eagle-eyed readers. can probably call them out uh, better, than, better than I am right now. But yeah, the last page of this book. Let's talk about it because that's really the whole – that's the whole thing – About this, I mean, this is what we're here to talk about right now, is the final splash page and where this book is going from here. So, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't read this book, it came out last week. But on the last page, we see who this quote-unquote final king in the future is, who the Ghost writer serves, and it's old, grizzled Thanos sitting on a throne inside of Galactus's skull. Like I said before, man. Oh, that
0: was Galactus's skull?
1: Yeah, that's Galactus. Oh yeah, skull, you man. can
0: see you can see bits and pieces of it and stuff. When
1: well, you didn't... see a little bit earlier, you can see like when when the writer's walking away and he makes that joke where he's like, "Oh yeah, I hear you weird, right?" No ears. Like he's walking towards a skull that is very clearly Galactus. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said before, man, fucking metal. This book is like so over the top. Like we talked to Donnie a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of months ago on this show. And he said that he's like, I am just pitching the craziest, most bananas stuff, and Marvel's letting me do it. And he delivered on that promise a hundred percent on this book, man. Yeah, I
0: gotta, I gotta get in the habit of like rereading stuff over and over again. Like it's because you miss so many things. Like the first time you read something, you're like, okay, just trying to get the gist of it. And then like you read it again. The same with movies; you just get more details that are going on there. Because I thought there was yeah. another another kind of conversation about like, there was another like little Easter egg in this book too. And I can't seem to find it again, but I'll, if I do find the other Easter egg. I'll kind of,
1: do you remember what it was in regards to, or
0: I thought it was something about DC that was in there. That there was some like conversation about like a little thing about DC out there, but I could, was it
1: this, I just, I see this now where the writer says to him, yeah. So you want to fuck around and start throwing eye lasers?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, it. <laughs>
1: is that, that's fucking... I didn't get to see... Like, you just said, you have to reread things because it wasn't until I just reread that panel. Like, it was... That was so funny that it just randomly happened upon that panel while you were saying that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally friggin' like Man of Steel right there.
0: That's crazy. Uh, It's a good book, and, I mean, uh, we were having a conversation at, at the comic book store, and um, there's a whole group of people now are starting to think that, like, the MCU is just setting up to cock block DC. So they like had, they did age of Ultron so that DC couldn't do Brainiac. They did Thanos so that DC couldn't do dark side. Like there's a whole set of characters that they're trying to get out first so that DC can't do them. And then I was thinking like, since they said, they want to do twenty more movies. I was like, "Give me a quasar movie before Green Lantern comes out."
1: <laughs> that's that. Uh, that's kind of stupid to me. I don't. I mean, DC's still going forward with Darkseid. Like, we're gonna see Darkseid. You sure? You know what? To be t- truth be told, I haven't seen Justice League yet, so yeah. I can't. Maybe not. Like, no, the, seen the, it, so
0: yeah, no, the 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 extra scene at the end goes in a completely different direction than Darkseid. <laughs>
1: See so I know that. So I by the time this podcast comes out, I will have seen it. I'm going to see it tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday, so I'm going to see it tomorrow. Uh so but I but I know everything about it. I know the post-credit scenes. I've spoiled it for myself cuz cuz I really don't care that much. So I I know the spoiler that you're talking about and yeah, that does go in a different direction than Dark Side. But they could still do Dark Side if they wanted to. And even if they decide not to, even if they don't want to do Brainiac because Marvel did Ultron, if they don't want to do Dark Side because Marvel did Thanos, like it's the freaking DC universe, man. They they were around for freaking thirty years before Marvel even came around. They have a wealth of villains that they can draw from. Like that's fine.
0: No, that is all true. Uh, But for you to say, I don't think so, which you kind of said earlier. When these are these are billion dollar businesses, they've got to be thinking about like how can we angle people off so that they're not infringing on our dollars. And if, and I, I'm sure that, because you have these big rooms of like people just doing shit, you know, it's kind of like when Armageddon, they're like, don't you have people in rooms just thinking up shit of how to stop shit? Like there's a guy in a room. It's like, okay, how are we supposed to prevent DC from getting a foothold on what we have? And that I'm sure that one person's like just sliding a piece of paper across. Like you probably should use these villains or these heroes because they're similar to DC characters and. Then you'll have the jump on it, and then the the mindset of people will be like, oh, DC's copying off of Marvel, even though DC came up with them a long, long time before.
1: Yeah. It's corporate, corporate evil. I hadn't thought about that before. I, it's possible. I mean, I could see it. I don't, like I said, I don't see, like, if like if DC came out tomorrow and they said, we're doing Brainiac, I would not be here saying, like, you know, oh, they're fucking ripping off Age of Ultron. And, and I'm, like, a hardcore comic book junkie. Right, so that's why. Yeah, so maybe the casual, you know, maybe can't relate to, like, you know, the casual moviegoer who doesn't know these characters. But I, The people that watch
0: Big Bang Theory. Those people.
1: The faux nerds.
0: Just the general public that watches bad television is going to be like, didn't Marvel do a big uh, sentient robot before... I even give him credit for saying sentient robot, which they would never say.
1: That bums me out so much, though, because I really would love to see Brainiac. He's one of my favorite DC villains.
0: They still could do it, but I'm just saying that Marvel jumped the gun, yeah, to it and might have prevented DC from doing that because of that. I'm just, you know, in, in the war of corporate worlds, you know, that's probably what we're doing. Ah, uh, do you want Are we done with Thanos? Did we give it? A, do you want to give it a grade?
1: We got to give it a grade. Uh, I'm giving it. A four point six.
0: Come on, come Not on, good? really? Four point six.
1: I was gonna go a four point five, but I liked it just a. Li- I, but I had to give it just a little bit more than that. Oh man, this was a great dude. This was a great book. It, it kept me turning the page. It makes me want to buy the next issue, which is your whole thing. I, I the art it. was good. The dialogue was good. Like, this was a great comic book.
0: I enjoyed it, and I even thought about putting it on my poll list. But I'm still at, like, a 4.2. Like, it's just it's a 4.2.5. Like, 4.25. Like, right in there. It's, like, it's... Because 4 is, like, good, and then we're getting into that, like, really good category once you get over 4. So, it's really good, but, like, it's still just the beginning. It's got me hooked in. It's got me hooked. That's the first part. You know? And that's what a
1: comic's got to do. You. It's got, it's got to sell you on the next issue. It can't bore you. Like these are the major, these are the main jobs of a comic book. And I, Thanos 13 did that. It did, it did everything that we're saying.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, I, it's a really good comic book. I'm probably going to add it to my pull list. I'm definitely going to add it to my pull list. Cause I want to see what happens. Um, uh, but you know, it was, it was very quick. It was a lot of fun. Okay. I'll stop. trying. I'm not nitpicking this book. Just, just, Read it. Enjoy it. Let's transition.
1: Enough said. Insert transition. <laughs> Matt, have you ever read Superman's Secret Identity?
0: See, I was going to ask you if you ever read Marvel 1985. 1985? By, or... by Mark Millar. And by no. that by that look, that would be a no.
1: No, I haven't.
0: <laughs> it's a six-issue series by Mark Millar, and it's set supposedly in, like, our... Time. And he recently started reading Secret War comics. And then stuff starts happening in his world, which is our world. And so when I read, when you gave me that book to read, I started reading it. And I was like, this even looks like Marvel 1985, the artwork. So I will let you now introduce the book.
1: Well, we're talking Batman Creature of the Night, issue one. And the reason I asked you about Superman's secret identity is now that you've described your book, I will describe my, Superman's Secret Identity is a 2004 four-issue miniseries written by Kurt Busiek about uh, a boy in the real world, our quote-unquote world, who is named Clark Kent. And he gets a lot of grief over his name and Superman and blah, 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 because Superman's a fictional character in this world. And then one day he manifests Superman powers himself. And the story unfolds from there. Now we have Batman Creature of the Night which is kind of a follow-up. It's, it's written again by Kurt Busiek, this time drawn by John Paul Leon. Very same premise. Takes place like in Our World, where Batman and Superman, they're all fictional characters, comic book characters. And you got a young boy named, not Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wainwright, uh, whose parents are killed in a house robbery. And he's, he's orphaned. He has kind of an Uncle Alfred, Alton Frederick, but he calls him Alfred. There's a cop named Gordon. There's all sorts of little parallels there. And it gets weird. So there might be parallels to the 1985 book you're talking about. But like I said, Busiek, this is now a series that he's got going on for himself.
0: And Mark Millar's book came out in 2008. So I'm going to make a short little jump that Mark Millar was probably influenced by the
1: Busiek book. Very possible. Art influences art all the time.
0: And since Mark was at Marvel, he's like, hey, let me just do my own thing. But this is 1985 was more over the top where like all the villains showed up in like our time. And he was just like, it was crazy kind of mental manifestations kind of thing. And that's kind of where I felt that with this book, the Batman book, because we really don't know what's going on with Batman. And I'm glad you said that was issue one, because I got to the end of it and I was like, was this a complete story? Was it not a complete story?
1: It's four issues. It's gonna be four issues, just like Superman's Secret Identity was. We are gonna be spoiling stuff in here, so if you haven't read this yet, it comes out today. Go pick it up. It's it's prestige format, so it's like a fifty page little little mini graphic novel kind of thing. There's gonna be four issues of it, and then I'm gonna guess it'll be collected in a trade eventually. But no, this is only this is part one of four, so that little weird cliffhanger ending is is not the end. No worries.
0: And then the, the preview you got just says Batman Creature of the Night on the cover. It doesn't say like one of four or anything like that. So that's where I was like, I don't even think there's like a... There isn't like that page in our preview that says like, buy so-and-so.
1: No, oh. there's no credits. I noticed that too because I was trying to track down the credits. There aren't credits that I noticed. No.
0: So it's definitely... Because I don't want to blame the letterer of the book because he was probably told to letter it this way. But the script was killing me. The script writing. i was
1: so glad that you said that because... I started reading this book like uh, uh, um, a week ago or whatever, and I put it down. Like, I read the first few pages, and I'm like, I can't with the cursive. Like, there's just something about it. Like, I couldn't do this. And I picked it up a couple of days ago and plowed through it. And I, and I was going to, we were going to talk about Batman Annual number two. I was going to make you read the Batman Annual, which is great, also out today, and everyone should go read it. It's a great Tom King story. But I plowed through Creature of the Night, got through even though the lettering, And uh, really enjoyed it, but but I agree with you. Like I said, I almost just put it down for good because of that.
0: I love all the mental things, and like, think Alfred's a bad guy at some point in time for some reason.
1: There's something, some shoe is going to drop somewhere. There's something Bruce gets shot and then just wakes up. There's like an unaccounted period of time there. Like there's there's definitely weird stuff going on. Who knows what's in his head? Who knows what's real? Like I feel like there might be some kind of a weird element to that. I did really like the weird turn it took at the end with the manifestation of like a shadow Batman creature, which is like a silhouette. Like that was awesome. Uh, Like I said, uh, the last few pages of this is what made me put this book on the podcast and what is going to have me picking up issues two, three, and four when they come out.
0: No, the artwork in this book is amazing. And I'm just trying to you just want to figure out like what the F is going on in this book. Like it, it, when it first starts, you're like, This is this is dumb. It honestly I was like, oh my God, this is dumb. Bruce Wainwright, you know, uh the Officer Gordon, Alfred, uh, you know, and they kind of slowly kind of break away from that, and then it just becomes this kid's story. And then that's when I was like, Okay, this is pretty awesome. And then, so probably when he wakes, I think when he wakes up from from the murder, you know, like it just is where I started coming in. So it's forty nine pages. Probably the first ten pages were it's kind of tough to get through.
1: Yeah, it. I like I said earlier, I agree with you. The first, you know, quarter of this book took a little took a little plowing through before it got to the good stuff. You, you mentioned the artwork you said it's great it is it's really good did you feel claustrophobic like and i was skimming through this again before we jumped on the mics like there's so much going on in every panel like like they're just they're crowded whether they're outside there's tons of people and buildings if they're indoors like the the room is cluttered like there's a real sense of claustrophobia going on here which i get it they're trying to make this feel like the real world like our world so they're trying to make it as detailed as possible but there's there's a real, like I said, sense of claustrophobia going on in it. Like there's no, like, you know, you read, you read a comic book set in a fictional universe and you get panels sometimes that don't have any backgrounds at all. And, you know, it, 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 it you had none of that here. There, there was no, it was. But, but
0: then it gets uncluttered when they show the Batman.
1: Yeah, it's almost like it was intentional, right? It's almost like they were planning it over here
0: because there's the one scene where he's talking to the doctor, the psychologist and like it that panel is just so stacked with dialogue and just wraps around everything and just brings you down to where he's talking and just like what what he's talking about like ah uh, it's it's good. It's set up really well. I just wish that cursive wasn't in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was glad when they started letting Bruce narrate and, you know, kind of went back to a more conventional lettering. And it's weird, because I read another comic recently where the lettering was in cursive and it was much more legible and much easier for me to get through. I can read cursive, no problem. I'm you know, I'm twenty-five years old. I, I learned how to read and write cursive at a young age. But there was just something about this style in this book that kind of made it hard to get through. Hopefully as they go through with future issues, now that we they needed Alfred to kind of set up the story and get us invested in it, but now that you know, the bat creature is around and Bruce is, you know, kind of involved and he's conscious of what's going on. Maybe he'll narrate the story more moving forward.
0: Well, we know it takes a turn for the worse, because that's what the all their foreshadowing is a turn for the worse. So I I don't I'm just it's so weird. So weird. I'm this book Oh my God,
1: dude. I just I'm not even sure what exactly what Page this is, but I'm just I'm skimming through it and I came across a splash page where we see the bat creature just, like, descend on a car with criminals. The caption box is, I wasn't even asleep the next time it happened, and I'm, just, I'm looking at it, and it's just, it's so good. <laughs> like, it's, like, like it's, it's just, it's gritty, and it's just, like, it's grimy, and, uh, like, I love this, that it's a silhouette. Like, there's no detail on the bat creature. Like, it's just, like, a solid black silhouette with these red, beating eyes, and... It's fucking haunting.
0: No, because it has like, because the backgrounds get kind of muddied, you know, with the inking. It's kind of like more of a charcoal look. So it like it gets cleaner the closer you are, but the farther you away is where the charcoal gets in and gets kind of blurred out. So there's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. I wish we had credits for this book because the colorist did a really good job on this book because it's all over the place and the inker did a really good job.
1: Yeah, I tried pulling up full credits like earlier before we started recording. I went to DC website and on their credit page for this book, they only had the writer and artist. And maybe he did the coloring himself. Maybe John Paul Leon did the the coloring uh as well. I, but I didn't see anything for a letterist, letterer.
0: Cuz you have the old school Batman at the beginning and then you have some like old school stuff in the middle of it and then you have like the actual times going on and this is set in the is it set in the 60s yeah it's set in the 60s
1: i thought it was modern day
0: ah uh, because i thought he was because he's reading 60s batman
1: yeah but he could have just gotten his hands on those
0: he is a millionaire
1: he's, he's he's pretty rich and uh i mean they reprint those things i mean i've read comics from before i was born i'm sure you have as well
0: i have read back issues
1: yeah, I think um all of these all of these splash pages with the bat creature are are just awesome. And you're totally right that once the bat creature appears, there's a lot more uh little subtle nods to classic comic book storytelling that are going on. It suddenly becomes a little bit less cluttered here and there.
0: The tragedy takes place on Halloween night 1968. So there's there's the 60s Batman going on, the TV shows going on. So that's why he's got all like the Batman Halloween stuff. You even see, like, he's got the Batman, like, dishes and cups, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff of the, you know, that would be in the 60s that kids would have of Batman because there really wasn't much in the... when Batman first came out. And I'm sure if this was set now, it would have a completely different tone. You know, I mean, like, because he's in a private school, there'll probably be some mention of, like, social media or, you know... I don't know, like it would just. I think it'd have a completely different tone if it was set in modern day, and I'm glad it's set in 1968 because I think it works well, you know, as being like a rich kid in 1968 is a little bit more simpler, is simpler than a rich kid now.
1: Yeah, and it was also a time of more quote. It wasn't really, but it was a time people thought of as a more innocent time and all that. You know, whereas. Now people think of things again, not saying that it's true, there was a lot of bad stuff going on in the sixties too, but for whatever reason, people you know look back on that as a quote unquote you know simpler time, more innocent time, you know, oh, we didn't lock our doors and everything like that so uh yeah, you're right, you were right i i you had galactus,
0: I had the time frame,
1: yeah, you were right I, uh, yeah, that was an oversight It got lost in the lettering. what can I say?
0: God the uh I never knew. It, it kind of annoys me because I think it would have been... But that's also... like Alfred would write in script because he's more of a proper person. So I get it. I understand it. It's just not executed well.
1: I, I enjoyed this book a lot. I'll, 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 I'll admit it. I read Superman's Secret Identity a while ago. It didn't really stick with me. It, it's not something I'm going to revisit. I, I very much enjoyed Creature of the Night. I think that this is Maybe it's just because I'm a bigger Batman fan than a Superman fan, although I do love Superman, so I can't even really say that. But th- this, I think, is going to be a story that's going to stick with me a little bit longer.
0: I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see how the, the four the three other issues end up because, I mean, there's enough question, enough intrigue, and enough, like... I'm a fan of mentally unstable people where you're not sure what's real and what's fake, and this has a solid chance where it could go in any direction and I can't figure it out right now like you know I can normally figure out things and that's you know my detective angle of why you know that my wife hates so much because I'll be like oh the butler did it like two minutes into a show and she's like I hate you so much for ruining this Uh, I'm so
1: glad that I picked two books this week that you enjoyed especially after like the I depression. It two, like, God. Yeah, it was like it was like two episodes ago where you were like so angry with me for picking books that just made you sad and depressed. Like this is a this is a good week for me. I'm happy.
0: Well, this is kind of both of these books are a callback to older days in the comic book world. It's a fresh start for Thanos, you know, because it's a it's part of the legacy project. That's what I'm calling. Yeah, had a, lot of,
1: had a lot of like. Callbacks to the Starlin era of Marvel cosmic, so yeah, absolutely.
0: And you know, you kind of reinvent where you kind of reinvent where you're going with Thanos, but it's still kind of a callback to all the previous Thanos stuff. And then this one is is all the things that make Batman great are kind of like seen through a kid's eyes and evolved from there. So it's it's a this is the kind of subject matter I enjoy.
1: I'm glad I, I again I, I really wanted to talk about this book after I read it because whereas the Batman Annual was really good, and I highly recommend reading that as well, uh, I I figured that this seemed like a a smaller, weirder, more niche story that, you know, given the choice between the two, maybe people would lean towards the Annual because it was shorter, more familiar, but I really think people should be picking this book up, and I just wanted to get as much good word about it out there in the streets as I could. So everyone definitely pick this up. Tell your friends to pick it up if you're Batman fans. Like Matt just said, it like kind of dissects the character, breaks apart who Batman Bruce Wayne is through the eyes of a kid. And if, and if you're looking for something that's a little bit different than your typical Batman story, look no further.
0: And this is a compliment. I'm going to give it a solid four robots out of five. I thought it was really good. Uh, the lettering I have an issue with, but like the more you break down the panels and the pages of the book, you're dealing with a solid piece of art uh and and fully formed and rationalized thought process of music and company of like what they're kind of putting together and i'm excited to see where it goes so the first issue definitely has me and makes me want to buy the second issue especially since it's probably going to be very expensive since it's 49 pages
1: yeah it's a six dollar comic
0: are you not going to grade the book
1: 4.25 monkeys
0: so generous
1: I I'm a, I'm a positive, dude, man. I, I like I like to score high. I like being a positive, optimistic person. I, I like uh, I like I like leaning on the high side. What can I say? If it's earned, it's got to be earned. Like I've, I've dissed comics before.
0: You know what's awesome about podcasting and asking questions is if you don't respond to a question, people feel the need to fill up the air, the dead air. Like I could have let you go for like five minutes, and you could have defended year 4.25 for like a solid five minutes and it would have been brilliant.
1: Yeah, like I don't think to myself I could just edit the dead air out later. (laughs) I just feel like I need to keep talking. Yeah, it's the magic, the magic of podcasting of the internet.
0: And we have Star Wars coming up.
1: So freaking excited for Last Jedi, man. I I really think it's going to be good.
0: I was just going to say that we probably should like review a Star Wars book next week or the week before or week after.
1: Like yeah, we could totally do this. I've been your reading, boy um, Charles
0: Soul has a Darth Vader book that everybody's been ranting and raving about.
1: Yeah, I love the Star Wars comics. Darth Vader has been great. Uh, Jason Aaron's run on the main Star Wars book just ended. Kieran Gillen took over, and he's doing a story right now about Jason Aaron left Star Wars. Yeah, Aaron ended and Kieran Gillen took over, and he's doing a story about Jeddah, the planet from Rogue One, where they have all the kyber crystals and the Death Star. You know, blew half of it away. Luke and Leia and Han, like they they gone to Jeddah and they're trying to recruit rebels and you know get aid and whatnot. And uh, it's been it's been awesome so far. So yeah, we'll definitely talk about a Star Wars comic. I've been wanting to for a while. I've just been waiting for a, a, a really good one and the right time to do so. And now is now is the time. Jason
0: Aaron made it sound like he was never leaving Star Wars.
1: Well, he did. And he ended it on a, on a, on a great note, I should say. But I, I think just with Legacy maybe he just had a lot of stuff going on. He, he's still on Thor, and he doesn't seem to ever be leaving Thor, so.
0: No, because we saw him at Star Wars Celebration. I think it was Star Wars Celebration. He was there, or it was... No, it was Megacon. Megacon, but we had a, huge, they had a huge conversation about Star Wars, and like, he said that he had no... He had enough stories in his head to never, ever hit Hoth. You know, with there because this takes Star Wars takes place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and he's like, No, I I never really wanna ever hit Hoth. So to bring Gillian on just seems weird.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't maybe he was being overwhelmed with a bunch of other stuff here going on. Maybe this was the plan all along. We're not we're not on the inside. We're gonna work at Marvel. Who knows?
0: And there's but, a but new edit there's a new editor at Marvel now?
1: New editor in chief. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on maybe he, maybe he could tell us what the deal is over there, over in star Wars land.
0: CB. Cebulski is the new editor at Marvel. I mean, we don't know if everybody knows that news, but I mean, like that's the guy. I know he's a huge foodie. I really don't know too much about him. I know he's like in rich Johnson's pocket over at bleeding cool. So they're always chatting back and forth, but CB has been around forever and he was always super nice at panels and checking out people's work and giving suggestions and, and everything like that. Um, I wonder what, like I always look at editor-in-chiefs as like presidencies, and like, what is going to be like their legacy from their time as editor-in-chief, where Joe Cassada's legacy is he divorced Spider-Man and Mary Jane, and Alonzo's legacy, what's Alonzo's legacy, the social justice warrior
1: world? That's what people would say. I was gonna say, are you? And we're not about bashing people or putting anyone down on this podcast, other than a certain amazing Spider-Man writer. But are you? Are so? Are you happy to see Alonzo gone? I know you had your beefs. I never
0: had a beef with Alonzo.
1: I. I, It was just Casada. I thought that it was. I thought it was Alonzo.
0: No, no, it was just Casada. Casada's the one that did the whole brand new day and relaunched Spider-Man, and because he did the covers to that. You know, he put his stamp on it. He's like, "This is my thing. This is what I want to do." And so I've never been mad at Alonzo. I, cause Alonzo kind of put in a tough situation cause like Disney bought him out. Like there was all that stuff. Like, you know, you, you have a new boss at that point in time and everything. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess if anything, I'd blame Alonzo for squirrel girl. Like she's way, like there are way too many people that talk about squirrel girl and like they shouldn't, there's probably other heroes that people should talk about better than squirrel girl. And this is not me being sexist. This is just me being like, come on, guys. Come on.
1: <laughs> no, man. Now, see, now, but you just, you did it. You didn't mean to do it and you did it. And now we're going to be at the center of this whole controversy We've being like, you know, sexist and anti-squirrel girl. And you just, you, you ruined it. You ruined I am. Everything. I'm definitely
0: anti-squirrel girl. I'm, I'm going gonna to say like, yes, I'm anti-squirrel girl because she takes away from, she took away from Richard Ryder.
1: That's it's. So, I was just literally I was thinking that when you were starting that sentence. I'm like, he's going to Nova. This is this is leading to Nova right now. I knew it. You and me, man. This twenty twenty two episodes in, and we're hitting a wavelength right here. I like it. I dig it.
0: Okay, we gotta find some Star Wars books to talk about next week, because this is pre Star Wars week. Anthony, you have a good week at the comic store.
1: Sir, may the force be with you.
0: Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host Anthony is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on blog talk radio. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, depending on how you search these days. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? Uh, there are so many people that made the 22nd episode of the comic show on Monkey Spider Robots a success. Go check out our friends at Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. Special shout out to my co host, Anthony
1: Compacto. Remember, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot, so just conquer a bat creature to defeat them. Yes.
0: Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spider Robots logo, Are You a Monkey Are You a Robot? The staff official realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. Step into the world of power, loyalty.